to learn and love all the trades involved in the process of building, from the carpenter, the bricklayer, the plumber, the worker who prepares the wooden formwork for the concrete pillar, uh, whatever. I think that this is the main things that should be considered if you want to, to start in architecture. About to enter the Akyong Podcast. Akyong Podcast. India's first and very own architecture podcast, where you'll hear the insights, experiences, and journeys from India's leading architects. No matter what your skill level is, together we'll build on our knowledge and share architecture's greatest stories ever told. Now, here's your host, Manish Paul Simon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Akyan Podcast. In this episode, we have with us Antonio Tot, who is a BIM specialist, architect, and the founder of BIM Skills. His career spans over 20 years, and he started off right from the 90s. So he's got a lot to share, and this was definitely a fun episode. And I personally learned quite a lot interviewing Antonio. Let me give you a brief on Antonio. So he completed his architectural education from Universidad de Santiago de Compostela in Spain. He then opened his own practice in 1990 called Antonio Tot Architects. And he eventually stumbled into the world of digital architecture, starting with ArchiCAD in 1995. And few months later, made the jump from CAD to BIM. He since worked with BIM and successfully co-founded BIM Freelance, which unites all those in the AECO sector. By the way, AECO is Architecture, Engineering, Construction and Operations. And he helps in the implementation of BIM and learning BIM methodology. He's going to be sharing his journey right from studying in architecture school in the 1990s to founding his own firm to jumping and transitioning into the world of BIM, what is open BIM, how BIM freelance has helped many become leaders in the BIM field, BIM seminars, workshops, future of the AECO eco industry, and loads, loads more. So this is going to be a BIM episode, and I would definitely recommend you guys check it out all the way through because we don't get too much into the jargon. You will learn about the basics of BIM, what is BIM and why BIM is something which every one of us need to incorporate into our work cultures and projects. BIM is definitely the future and I hope all of y'all are making the transition. With that said, please do follow us on Instagram. We go by the handle of Akyan. I try to put up content on a daily basis and also check out my new course, which is a SketchUp and V-Ray course for interior design. I'm also creating courses for students and more. It'll be coming up soon in few months time. You can head to akyan.com slash courses. And also you can avail a 55% offer, which is valid for few days. Again, I don't want to keep repeating this in every episode, but hope all of y'all are safe and doing well. Please do not venture outside. And this is the best time to upskill yourself. So head to my course, learn about how to use SketchUp and V-Ray, head to Udemy, head to LinkedIn Learning. There's so many resources online these days that there is no excuse for you not to learn. I wish I had so much of content back in my architecture school days so that even I could have picked up on some much needed skills to survive as an architect these days. So this is the best time to upskill yourselves. I hope you guys get started. And with all that said, here is the episode with Antonio Todd. Let's go. <laughs> well, in fact, I, I was not going to be an architect. <laughs> okay. What I, what, I, what I really wanted then, uh, well, uh, let's just say that I was 17 and even crazy, crazier than today. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to be a pilot, <laughs> an airplane pilot. Uh, then I, I love airplanes and helicopters, and I applied to be a pilot in the Army. Nice. And, uh, uh, the, the bad thing was that I passed the first cut. So I, I was happy. But my wife's father, who knew how much distracted I was, suggested me to think if I could see myself saying, I yourself was urgent for mm -hmm. the rest of my life. <laughs> of my life. Obviously, it, it was the side I haven't seen then. Uh, the other option was architecture, which I, which I also liked very much since, uh, since I was a kid. And, and well, here I am. 
Awesome. And this was in uh, 1990, right? Yes, 1990. Yeah, I was 17 then. All right. So how was it studying in Universidad de Santiago de Compostela? Well, not so good. Uh, (laughs) The mix between uh, an open and distracted character as mine with a public university with some professors who who believe themselves to be in possession of the absolute truth didn't work out very well. (laughs) I Mm. admit that my attitude was was not the best, but even though my my past was long, I was lucky enough to find some valuable professors Hmm. Uh, along that way, in, uh, mainly in fundamental subjects such as projects and calculation of structures. Well, I, I must say that in Spain, the career of architecture is a master in science, and structural and MEP engineering subjects are covered in depth. So uh, mm-hmm. I was happy to to have good professors then. All right. So and then you started your own firm after that, right? Well, yes, uh, but uh, I started my. But before I, I started, uh, I started w- w- working part time with an architect. Mm-hmm. He was specialized in historical research and monumental architecture and, and expert reports. I learned, I learned a lot from him. I followed his example, and uh, I bought as many books as I could afford then. Uh, and th- that was very helpful in, in, in the long nights when when we, the architects, have have to work to prepare the uh, deliverable for the next morning, mm. and your friends can help because it's it's night, you know. And then I finished my career in 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, started a small uh, practice, a small studio in, in my own home, in a, in a small room, and decided that my professional life would be digital from the day one. Okay. It was uh, a very, very important decision. Uh, remember that in 1990, uh, um, there was practically no internet, at least here in Spain. Yeah. Uh, when it worked, it did at a speed of 2,400 baudios per second. So <laughs> imagine that. Hmm. Then with, with a bank loan, uh, I bought my first computer, an IBM uh, 2X6, oh, nice. with 20 yes. megabytes of RAM, a black and white screen, and a pen plotter. And with that, and an English copy of AutoCAD version, uh, 2.6, I, I think I remember. That was the first version, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, one of, one of the first. Awesome. Um, yes, it was uh, completely self-taught. I have no other possibility because nobody in my environment i made a jump to the digital world. I was alone, and I learned uh, little by little. The 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 mm, I I tried to teach uh, from what I learned, and I taught uh, the technician in my areas mm. uh, as a CAD consultant. Uh, by that time, I, I I became an AutoCAD certified trainer. Nice. Um, the, the, the calls for technical consult- consultancy multiplied exponentially. It, it was crazy at that time. In, then in September 1995, I needed my first break because I've been uh, five years with no no holidays, no no rest. Hmm. And then I went to Helsinki to an event called Architects and Computers. Okay. Uh, I saw a demonstration of Archicad. I think the, the version it was 4.50. Nice. And then I realized that it was the path I, I've been looking for. Uh, Graphisoft provided me with a copy of, to test the program. It was about um, 20 or 30 disks of 1.45 megabytes. Uh, I think I probably didn't use that. <laughs> and I installed it, uh, and since then, I continued with it. That was my, my, my start with, with the BIM. Right. In, in a way, it was like going back to the beginning with AutoCAD. Again, alone, again, self-taught, again, trial and error. Many many dark years where the only beneficiary of the rigorous use of constructive process was my own staff. Well, I recognize that during those years I, I did many things wrong, but, but the mistakes were were preparing us to improve the following assignments. I do forget having followed the, the path and, and look forward every day to seeing what I left to, to learn and improve. The challenges were similar in both cases and my feeling both times were quite similar. Uh, like the ugly duckling story, more <laughs> or less. <laughs> All right. 
so you saw the entire revolution of cad but uh, bim was still not still not a concept back then right it came later right yeah it was that, that's the that's the point uh, i started uh, alone and then i i started being alone ma- made a lot of bad decisions uh, it was always the, the same story a trial and error trial and error uh, because um, it considered that years there was the, the dark years with uh, very few uh, very short access to internet and mm. uh, uh, you had to manage yourself you 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 were alone So when did you feel that you started picking up pace and uh, BIM started kicking off? Well, when I started uh, on the first occasion, I think that well, everyone was still doing projects in the traditional way. I had to, to invent my box, my, mm. my line styles, everything, and, and the, the back side, the, the bad side of this was that I had to train every draftman that I that was joining the staff. So when I installed uh, Archicad, I did it by surprise and and did it on all the computers during a weekend so that when my staff arrived to the workstations on Monday, Adoka was no longer on the hard drives. The the scene was really fun uh, between panic and and mass hysteria. Mm -hmm. And it was like we all jumped into a pool. There was no choice. Yeah. But we had to learn to swim. I mean, we had to do it quickly. Uh, somehow it was like going back to the beginning again. Uh, we had to create standards, uh, systems, protocols. Uh, the only real beneficiary of the rigorous use of, uh, of this constructive process was my own staff. I recognized that uh, we made a lot of, of, of bad decisions, mm-hmm. but I don't regret having followed this path. Uh, I, I look forward every day to seeing what I have left to, to learn and, and improve. The, the, the important thing is that the trade was and still is there. That's what you must not forget when you apply BIM, that you are architect, you are engineer, you are what, whatever you are. But the, the BIM is only just a, a, a tool, nothing else. You need to identify the objective, what's the, pur- the purpose uh, the, the client expects from you or your team, and, they ha- and decide how to carry it out and be rigorous with that, uh, what was agreed with, with in your contract. That's all, but never, never lose the focus. All right. Awesome. And uh, what kind of projects were uh, that you worked on back then in the 90s and 2000s? Um, It, it, there was a, a very uh, d- different uh, way of looking at them. Mm. At first, you, um, like naturally, you tried to translate the, the same habits to, uh, to an, the new platform, the new digital platform. If you were used to, to work on, on paper, with paper, you simply translate that to the new digital era. And this is a big mistake. You have to stop, rethink everything that you do and go uh, with a new thinking, a new conception of how to develop projects because the, 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 the workflow is different. Uh, you have to, to apply standards, be less um, artist, in, in a, not in, in, the, in the creation of architecture. I'm not talking now about that. I'm talking about how to improve the skills that you need to apply in your practice. That's all. Hmm. All right. So let's jump to the world of BIM. Uh, I, I would like to, this episode to be like a brief introduction because a lot of listeners are still confused about what BIM is. So what, according to you, Antonio, is BIM? Well, uh, let me say something maybe surprising. BIM is nothing. Okay. I mean, uh, BIM is just a tool that you need to develop or to, to achieve the same purpose that you needed from those architects who built pyramids or who built Rome or whatever. Mm. So it's simply a tool. Uh, but if, if I had to, to define BIM, I, I would use very few words. One is standards. Mm. 
Second is processes. And third is try to be um, strict with what you apply. That's all. Uh, the rest, interoperability, ISO 19650, um, whatever, is secondary. But the main thing is that to rethink how you do the things, thinking that you must collaborate and interoperate with a lot of people. So don't you think that you are the king of the world and you work alone. Mm -hmm. So consider the other professionals that uh, will cooperate with you. That's all. All right. And do you feel that BIM uh, as a platform would uh, has a lot of advantages compared to just, you know, the 2D world? Yes. Um, has a lot of advantages, but um, it's not free. You have to work a lot. Uh, do, do you know that, that uh, example that when, when you talk about um, doing something, oh, yeah, you, you press that button and everything is done? Yeah, yeah. No, nothing is done. So you have to, to rethink a lot of things and you have to prepare. The preparation of, of um, how you deliver your work is extraordinarily important. So there's a big change of, of parameters on about this, uh, different paradigm. But um, once you do it, the, the, the traceability that you get on your work has no, 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 something that you have never seen before. Because you, you can, you can uh, follow every error that you had, uh, why, you, you you reach all the targets that you that you need, but you have to work a lot and prepare a lot. All right. And BIM is not just uh, since our podcast is more about architecture. BIM is not only for architecture, right? It's beyond uh, architecture. Yes, uh, further than that, I, I think that as I as I told you, BIM is nothing. So. Um, I think that you can apply BIM for, for, for different scales of work. Um, for example, uh, some people say that there is a big difference uh, practicing uh, um, BIM in, in big, in, in big uh, projects and uh, it's very, very difficult to apply it in a small project. No, hmm. I, I don't think that. Um, most practicing architects around the world don't do uh, uh, tiny beam. They even do micro beam or what I say nano beam. You know, mm-hmm. um, this is a, a pl- a pl- applicable at all scale. The, the idea is that that you apply um, and you work with beam and you apply the beam methodology because you know that th- that's the right way. Beam is basically basically standard processes and traceability. And that applies it, it, um, to, to any, uh, any technical activity. Obviously, the, com- the complexity of, a, of an airport or a hospital has nothing to do with solving the remodeling of an apartment, let's say. But coordinating information is overwhelmingly more difficult. Hmm. But, but hmm. it's essentially the same thing. So uh, if you apply ISO 19650 in your daily activity, it improves greatly the effectiveness of, of your results. So in small projects, one person has to take on several roles and responsibilities and has, uh, has to do it uh, simultaneously. But for example, ensuring the famous five uh, W's, uh, who, what, when, where, and why, uh, is, is a good start even in nanobeam. Hmm. But what do you mean by uh, nano beam or tiny beam? Micro beam. Uh, it's not tiny beam. That's a small beam, small scale. Uh, I mean that you can apply beam to a very, very small project. Hmm. So you don't need to to work under a, a big company of ten, uh, two thousand uh, engineers beside you working, uh, pushing together for one project. You can practice beam alone and working for a very, very small remodeling. And, and it's, it's good for you because you are uh, doing it under control, under um, w- without lacks of information. The deliverables are uh, done on time and with um, with, uh, with, the, with 
the uh, the compliance that you need. That's all. So when I talk about nano beam, I'm talking about very 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 small beam like the nano architecture. Uh, some of us architects have this preconceived notion that uh, using these softwares can limit our creativity. Do you feel so? No, absolutely not. No, uh, you simply uh, it's a tool. So uh, I may let us say. The, for uh, example, Revit. The, uh, Revit is not so you can't explore so much in terms of design, right? Yeah, uh, it all goes on, on how comfortable you you feel using one tool. Hmm. Sometimes I use a pencil. Sometimes hmm. I use a pen, hmm. and. And uh, I don't know why, but it depends on wh- what what's the the, the roughness or, of the paper I use. So I think that somehow it, it, it can be applied to to the different projects. Um, Bentley software may be optimal to um, uh, infrastructures, and maybe uh, the the Revit software is good for. Let's say many things like it, uh, like like it was AutoCAD. Mm. Uh, I've seen projects or and, and chemical applications on AutoCAD, and I've seen uh, technic technicians using AutoCAD to to make some patterns of 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 clothing, clothing, and so it's very very versatile. So it depends on how comfortable you are. That's why I hate to identify Beam with Revit or with any other trademark. Uh, I think that we should push for the uh, open Beam uh, formats like IFC and uh, use whatever you want, uh, but uh, give me the, the liberal uh, I need to use. All right. Uh, in India, you know, there is uh, still a lot of resistance to BIM uh, and BIM implementation. Um, why do you feel uh, that's so? Uh, why do so many firms and countries still resist uh, BIM? Oh, well, um, India is not uh, different than than the other, the, the same, in, in other countries that I know, uh, we have the, the same, the same problem is that, uh, it's very difficult to move the, the industry of architecture in um, outside of their uh, comfort area, you know. Mm-hmm. So the, the industry is lazy, and they say, "No, okay, I'm, I'm doing. I've been doing this for a long time. It works. And why should I move? Well, you should move for one simple reason: money. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to understand. If you save money on this." You can use that extra money for a lot of things, and this is the the the, the best um, weapon that you can use to convince your government to push for for beam. There is a mixture behind uh, between the, the 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 top down and the bottom up um, needings. Mm-hmm. Is that from from top down? There's you. You need to from the top. You can push the industry to to move and to take decisions. But from bottom up, the technicians, people can move the the market and say, "Hey, we need a new way to do things." Mm-hmm. This uh, this is a, a good weapon too. Uh, the beam uh, beam group uh, beam users group. Uh, groups uh, all over the world, building, building smart internationals. There are lots of associations that may help on on, on this movement. And uh, we all, if we all push in the same direction, uh, there's there's no option with BIM. So you you must engage with BIM, and uh, or you you can be outside of the market. That's all. All right. Don't you feel that uh, BIM software is? I mean, it's an expensive affair, right? Because we need yeah. to buy subscriptions, and then we have all these softwares. Then there's training involved. Yes, and this is especially um, serious in in uh, in countries where the economy is not as good as the let us say the the, the main countries of the world, the top yeah. eight. Uh, I see every day here in Spain, uh, Latin America, many countries in Asia. So 
Uh, I think that the the, the 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 problem is that the, the, the uh, uh, big companies like Autodesk, Graphisoft, Bentley, I think that they have no, they have not the sensibility that we need uh, to um, allow the access to these technologies for a lot of of very um, very wise and, and uh, great technicians that they are in all these countries. It's not the same the effort that we have to do in Spain or India to access a license of Revit or Archicad mm. than the effort that must do a Norwegian or a, or a Canadian guy. Yeah, exactly. So I think it, it should be changed by the market. I don't know if it, is, it can be done through the subscription formula or whatever, but I think this is uh, should should change. Yes, it's a really very very difficult to to be a practitioner if you had to spend a lot of money in a in a market that you don't get. Uh, you are not usually well paid for your job. It, it's uh, it's that's the the real world I live every day. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, India is more of an outsource capital. We get a lot of outsource work in the field of BIM. Yes, 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 yes. It is, it is. Uh, and I, 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 I don't like uh, to to identify a country like an outsource country, uh, outsource uh, services, because uh, it re- reveals that there is there are two words, and I hate that. Hmm. But uh, in, in but in the other side. There is an evidence that there are a lot of really uh, prepared technicians that should have a, a new opportunity, and uh, there is an emerging market that I think that in a, in a very few years uh, it, it will come up and uh, put on on the on the position where everyone may be honestly with their skills, their abilities, and uh, I think that it should be it should happen in a short time. Absolutely. All right. Uh, would you uh, briefly tell us about what is the scenario of BIM in Spain and uh, where you guys where do you guys see yourself in like the coming few years? Well, um, I think that it is not very difficult, nor very different than India. Um, it, like I see, uh, I've said uh, um, there's a. I have contacted with a lot of, of people here in Spain and, uh, and other countries like in, in India or whatever, mm. and there's uh, an enormous desire of work and doing things well. The problem of the for the development of being in all countries, uh, Spain is one of them, uh, is that um, in Spain and Latin America or Lithuania, uh, a double push is needed. Um, in, in the one hand, Governments need to be convinced that BIM is so useful that they cannot resist the evidence, and uh, and applying and to convince them that and then applying BIM reduces the cost, reduces the reduces the, the time, guarantees the durability and the maintenance of the facility. In other words, government should have more money left to to do other things, and we are all pushing on that direction. So um, in in Spain. There, uh, it's been from for I think maybe two years ago uh, a big movement on the BIM users group hmm. groups. There are it's, uh, it's a very very important movement, uh, moving a lot of resources that otherwise uh, would stay uh, on the comfort area. And uh, on the other hand, is the government that are convinced of, of what I always say that uh, it, do you remember that phrase in, in that American phrase that it's the money stupid. So they, they are, finally they are realizing realizing that that the, there's the, the key point of that. This is the, the situation in Spain. There are a lot of technicians, a lot of, of good um, uh, willing to to go ahead on on, on this line. Mm. And, um, but the, the, we have the, the problem of the, the, the software is expensive and that's all. All right. And uh, Spain has, uh, Spain's architecture is always mesmerizing from Barcelona to uh, yeah, Valencia. So uh, where does BIM play a, a role in the field of renovation and preserving architecture? 
Yes, there is. There, there is a, a big interest on this. Um, in, not only in Barcelona, I think that all, all over Spain, uh, we have a very big, um, a, a very big interest on this because Spain is a very old country uh, and we have a lot of uh, monuments and uh, we have a lot of uh, historic uh, buildings that must be kept. Yeah. So there is a, a huge interest on, on keeping these, and there there are two uh, two areas that are emerging now, which mm. is uh, the the cloud point uh, de- developing, and there and also the the facility management. Not mm-hmm. all not only uh, to. To, to build the digital model, the digital twin, but to to do it from a, um, a reliable base and to use it for a long um, long time um, conservation program. Mm. So there there are a big interest in on this in in Spain and mainly in in, in the old Europe. Yes. Uh, and the the architecture, especially by uh, Antoni Gaudi, the it's very complex, right? <laughs> <laughs> terrific, terrific. That's where uh, I think that this is the one of the points where the the, the big uh, software, the main uh, the main platforms, reveals their ability to deal with these um, with these let us say natural uh, forms or natural patterns. Hmm. So. I think that most of them are thought, and it's logical, uh, to build a lot of, of big buildings, but massive architecture or massive in, uh, industrial uh, facilities. But when you reach this kind of architecture, and you, well, you first get a- astonished with with these shapes and how this uh, lovely architecture could be done. Uh, you say how I deal with this because okay yes I use a, a, a faro laser scanning or mm-hmm. a, a matter port or yeah. whatever but how I put this on my program guy mm-hmm. uh, and so you you have to use a different kind of 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 shapes or meshes or whatever and then you have to apply uh, properties to to these and and you have to to create a new classifying system to to where do you start so it's very complex but it's a challenge that i love to to deal in fact is not with gaudi architecture but in 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 some other cases what is with what i deal as architect in my own practice every day with all chapels and and all churches so Mm -hmm. it's it's very funny to to fight with it All right. So you had like quite a illustrious career and uh, you've been the co-founder and CEO of uh, BIM Freelance and now you're part of BIM Skills, right? So how has been your experience as a BIM uh, trainer and consultant? Uh, uh, well, um, let us say um, we, we, we experienced a, a big uh, experience uh, along many years as a SCAD and BIM consultants and in 2014, my partner and I decided to create a, a company that would bring together the professional experience that we have both developed mm-hmm. separately. Mm-hmm. And then we created BIM Freelance. The, the objective was to create uh, a training programs, uh, creating um, training programs for technicians in the AEC sector. Uh, but at that time, Sigurat Institute of Technology was looking for technical experts mm. who could create a BIM master's degree for the technical course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we reached a, an, an agreement very in, in a very short time. Uh, Sigurat was in charge of managing the students and, and marketing of that product. Uh, well, we created the, the academic program, hired the teachers and, and took care of the tutoring of the pedago- pedagogical contents. Nice. Initially, Initially, we, we created the Master BIM Manager in Spanish, then in Portuguese, and finally in English. Uh, currently, the program is recognized by BRE, Canadian BIM Council, and also by the University of Barcelona. 
uh, train over 2,000 manager, managers in, in more than 70 countries and you know, on all continents. Wow. Well, for, profe for professional reasons, at the end of 2019, I left ma the management of, of Beam Freelance, mm. and I'm currently starting a new challenge through my new company. It's called Beam Skills. Uh, it has a less academic focus, and it's more or oriented to consulting and implementing BIM in, in companies and, and online training. At the moment, we offer our training only in Spanish, but we are preparing courses in English that uh, will, will soon be available. All right. So it's uh, only training, or do you even provide certain services? No, no, it's uh, online training only. Okay. So I think online training is, uh, especially now... Even more so because of the coronavirus, right? Yes, because uh, you, you see, it, online training is is just um, linked linked to to to, to Beam. Uh, nowadays, I, I can't understand face to face training. Um, you, you do your 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 when you have to to buy something. You most of the of the times you go through Amazon. Uh, you you use uh, digital uh, searches or research through Google or whatever. So it, it, spe specifically in BIM, you need to be digital. Mm. So uh, it, and there's also uh, um, uh, uh, something that many times is not uh, sufficiently explored about the swarm um, uh, force. I mean, if you need to 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 build, let us say, washing machines. You need a, a big infrastructure, uh, facilities, uh, machines, and a lot of things. But if you uh, develop product, you you are at home. And if you are alone or you, you are, your team is reduced, or let us say two or three guys, uh, you can join digitally to mm. other th two or three guys, another two or three, another two or three in different locations, different countries, different mm. continents. So if you have that, that conscience that you are a swarm, you can, mm, you can fight uh, with or you can push or, or uh, concur with uh, to, uh, to a bid, a public bid against big, big companies. And then, if you if you succeed, you go ahead. And then, when the, that project finishes, you you get back to your own um, small organization. So this is uh, absolutely digital. This is uh, one of the um, important advantages of BIM. Yeah, absolutely. I had one of our guests who was a digital nomad. Uh, do you feel that even BIM managers can uh, maybe sit in Japan and work on a project in Portugal? And uh, then yes, keep keep shifting cities and be a nomad for life. Absolutely. Uh, many times I, I use a, a, a real sample that I have, uh, let us say, three hundred kilometers away from my house, is uh, Portugal. Portugal is a, a small country with extraordinary big and uh, very good technicians, uh, really, um, really trained and really skilled. And they are, they are a small country, I insist, but they are used to, to join, in, to, to be involved in projects in Brazil. Mm. In the other side of the, of the Atlantic uh, Ocean, you know, and they uh, they work in Brazil. They go to South Africa. They work with people from uh, uh, with uh, in in Ireland, and they are developing a lot of projects in 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 East Timor. So they they are it's like on their DNA. They they are, they never feel blocked to be in a small country that where they, they can't mm, go away from from there. They are used to collaborate digitally. So I insist, if wherever you live, if you have in twenty twenty an internet connection, you can work in Canada, you can work in Australia, and you can work in in the Middle East. So you are connected. That's all. I mean that that the with a, one of the best things that you you achieve with being is the the workflows. If you you define these, you can work from wherever you want or whatever you need with a lot of different companies and um, technicians for everywhere in the world, and th there's no limits. 
this is the main change, the, the main difference from uh, working with an old parameters. So you are absolutely free to work wherever and with whatever. Awesome. Uh, but don't you feel that there's a big, uh, I mean, architecture as a profession has become so dynamic, but what is thought in the architecture schools are uh, still way behind what is there in reality, right? Ah, no, yeah, well, architecture schools, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know <laughs> how it goes in India, but in, in Spain, we are now seeing that they are considering to implement digital technologies. Mm-hmm. This is very sad. This is very sad. So I think that uh, if you want to be an architect, uh, you have to assume that uh, you are mostly, uh, now you are not alone, but you have to do a lot of work alone. Mm. So in, uh, happily, now you can achieve and you can reach a lot of information that uh, it was very difficult to achieve um, 20 or 30 years ago. But, uh, but don't expect anything on, on the on the universities. I don't know why. Um, it is very sad. But they go, uh, I would like to say, one step behind, but um, probably they are 1,000 steps behind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, could you briefly tell us about what the, what a role of uh, BIM manager is and what exactly does a BIM manager do? Well, I can do. I, I can try to explain it. What should be very clear is that um, don't mix what is a BIM manager and what is a project manager. Hmm. BIM manager is related with technology, uh, information technology, and uh, project management uh, must be led for an, uh, by an architect or an engineer or an expert in, in, in construction. And BIM management, it's uh, necessary to, be, uh, to have a, a technical um, training, but the most that must be one of the most uh, characteristic characteristics that should be um, a, um, should present a big manager is to know how to deal with information and how to um, lead a team how to solve uh, issues that's mm-hmm. the, the, the the key points of a big manager but um, I, I guess, that in, uh, let us say, five years' uh, time, uh, we will probably don't use the word BIM because it's not nothing important. Sometimes I, I put the, the following example is that if you go to, to if you're a candidate for a job in architecture or engineering, mm-hmm. uh, time ago, you go to the to the office and say, "Okay, guy, I know I know how to to use Microsoft Word and Excel, and mm-hmm. I also and I also how know how to use AutoCAD." AutoCAD, yeah. Would you go in? Uh, would you think in, in in five years' time say something like that? Uh, I know how to use Revit or or Archicad. No, no, let's. I, I suppose that you are a user. I suppose and you understand and yeah. and uh, apply in uh, ISO nineteen six fifty or whatever ISO is is working on in, uh, by that time. And that's also the, the the conception that may be kept is one is project. One side is the project, and one side is the information. And in in the middle there should be a guy who is able to re- to relate to to mix both uh, needings with uh, f- fluently and um, build that team that uh, build uh, the abilities that uh, let that team to work um, very well. That's all. Yeah, the the rate at which uh, technology is advancing, I don't know where we will be in like five years time, right? Yeah, no, no. I, um, I, I insist. Uh, well, probably, uh, I I guess that BIM is erased from the from our usual vocabulary, and we and that we talk about building, uh, about construction, about uh, efficiency, about economy. That's all. BIM is just, uh, ca- can you see um, carpenters uh, talking all the time about uh, a, a saw? Uh, no, 
You, mm-hmm. you, you talk about the job that they do. Mm-hmm. And they, when they talk together, they talk about the result of, of their work. They do not spend that, that many time uh, talking about the, the tool that they use. Yeah, we need to go be much beyond that and focus on uh, things which face our, which the world faces, right? The climate change and uh, all these other important things. Yes, uh, this is the, the, the very important thing that you can do with, with software. Uh, and sometimes you need to, to achieve more efficiency on, um, on um, uh, thermal efficiency or, or you can get better um, analysis of your structure or whatever. But uh, at the end, you simply, uh, the, the trade or the, the main um, profession that you, that you practice is the, the only important thing. All right. So when someone gets into BIM, right, there's so much of information in BIM, like BIM levels, LODs, uh, common data environment, uh, in interoperability, so many things. So, But uh, what advice would you give to some, one, someone who's an absolute beginner and wants to learn uh, more about BIM? Well, um, first of all, I should look back and ask yourself how you have done things so far, what has worked, what has not worked, and what lesson have you learned? And then try to synthesize the, what standards you have worked with so far, and what you need. Not what there is, just what you need. It's very important, this difference. Then, uh, if in your country, if your country has developed any guidelines for developing or managing projects with BIM, follow them. If not, there are many available on the internet. Let's say Finland, UK, Singapore, there are lots. Then ISO 19650 hmm. is like the Bible. Uh, when all that is clear, you will worry about choosing Dynamo, Python, or, or, or Revit, or whatever you need. But um, it's more important to know what you need than to know to programming how to get it. Hmm? So don't, don't, one of the, of the, of the phrases uh, that I use is that take care with crossing the line and entering the dark side and mm-hmm. lose the essence of, of mm-hmm. what you mm-hmm. are. So don't lose your profession uh, and try not to confuse the BIM management with project man- management. And uh, because if you, you cross that line, you may, you may turn your office into a chaos of competence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Antonio, you had like quite a long career and uh, you've taught us a lot. And where do you see yourself 10 years from now? <laughs> well, I'm 59 now. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I, I, I would like to see myself working, but just a, a bit less if possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to be active. Uh, until I'm interested in something. If I'm with something boring me, I probably leave. I will leave it soon, but otherwise I like to work. I like to learn or listen to a lot of things. Uh, mostly things related with my profession, but not limited to. Uh, I'm convinced that these times are a good opportunity to relieve the passion of the Renaissance architect. Uh, because the digital world allows you to to be everywhere at a time and access to enormous amount of knowledge. So I see myself, myself always learning, probably. All right. So I generally ask this to all my guests, uh, apart from BIM advice, uh, what regular advice would you give to our uh, young architects and architecture students? Hmm. Uh, well, probably I, I say the same the same advice that I gave to my youngest son, I, I couldn't avoid uh, him to, to study architecture. I tried, you can believe me. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I told him, uh, hey guy, if, if you don't like to, to work hard, choose another job. Hmm. But if you love it, push hard and learn English. Because, uh, yes, I always hated how badly I expressed myself in English. But um, uh, consider that being born in 1916 in Spain, it was not that easy to learn or practice English. So, Mm -hmm. uh, well, anyway, uh, being serious, uh, to practice architecture, uh, that's a a few things I think very important. Uh, First is to travel abroad as much as possible 
just mm-hmm. to know how other cultures face the same and different problems that you may face. Uh, to be curious about everything, to be anxious to learn from every rising day, and to learn and love all the trades involved in the process of building, from the carpenter, the bricklayer, the plumber, the worker who prepares a wooden formwork for the concrete pillar, uh, whatever. I think that this is the main things that should be considered if you want to, to start in architecture. Awesome. That is some amazing uh, advice, Antonio. I think even I can uh, relate to a lot of that. Uh, before I let you go, we just quickly jump into the Arcan quickfire round and then uh, you can just give me brief answers to some few questions. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, do you follow football? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I, I follow uh, sailing, uh, rugby, uh, and a lot, of, a lot of time ago, judo. But uh, I'm sad because my, my, both my two sons are football fans. Well, you can't imagine. One of uh, the, the one who is studying architecture is, uh, follows a, is a, a supporter of the Mar- Manchester United. Okay. And they both and they both lo- love Barcelona. But, oh but, yeah, uh, Barcelona uh, the best. <laughs> yeah, just for them, I, I I get bored watching football. But, uh, well. Uh, I, I don't have many time, much time to 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 watch um, TV anyway. But uh, didn't you get an ch- opportunity to go to Camp Nou and watch uh, Lionel Messi play? Yes, yeah, I've seen him playing. I went, uh, uh, it was a, a present that they gave them to to go to the Barcelona Stadium, and we we went there a couple of times in just with the opportunity of some job I had there in Barcelona. Uh, I've been there in the in the no camp in a, a couple of times, and it was very very funny. <laughs> well, mostly for <laughs> them. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Uh, which book has inspired you the most? Book. It's difficult to, for me to talk about just one book. Because, okay. well, because all of us working in architecture, we gather information and inspiration and from from many sources. Uh, I remember that at the beginning. I liked uh, James Stirling or Charles Moore than the, the ten of that time who were Aldo Rossi or Carlos Carpa which, because I found them their works very, very dull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always liked uh, the Finns uh, in general Nordic architects like Alto and Juha Leiviska mm-hmm. and I also follow the current Nordic architecture because they, are, they have followed uh, that path with, with a, a formidable uh, adaptation to the new technologies. They, they care for the details, for the trades, and seem very elegant to me, just like the Japanese masters. masters. In classics, I still find right fascinating. All right. Uh, what type of music do you generally listen to? Music? Mm. Well, uh, mostly uh, country and blues. Is my, uh, but I'm open to uh, classics or m- many styles. But you say, what, what have you uh, as the pre-recorded music? Mostly country and blues. Awesome. But I, I'm sure you must have been part of the party scene back then in the 90s, right? Yes, uh, but uh, now I'm discovering a lot of uh, a lot of uh, new artists. Uh, and uh, but if you if you ask me who are you following the most, uh, I could could not tell you one artist in, in specifically. Uh, I simply love that sound, and I don't pay attention to who is singing. That's all. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, what would you have chosen had you not taken up architecture? Good question. Uh, as I told you, in fact, I was not, not going to be an architect. Uh, and, uh, I, I want, maybe I wanted to be a pilot at, the, at first, but now, but now, uh, maybe I, I would like to be a carpenter. You know that okay. that, that pleasure of, of working with wood, the smell, the, the shape. Maybe one of uh, maybe my my best option currently. All right. So I'm assuming that you travel the world quite a lot. So which city would you consider your favorite? Well, some time ago, I would say Stockholm, definitely. But over the years, it, have, it has become quite deteriorated. I think the same, is, the same thing is happening to Barcelona, sadly. 
Um, nowadays, my favorite place is Galicia. It's a, it's a region place at the northwest corner of Spain, mm. where, where I live. And I love a small village called Puente de Ume. Mm. In fact, I'm, I'm building a house there on the beach. Oh, nice. uh, I like to move there. Uh, I, I love it because it is at the coast. I think I could, couldn't live without seeing the sea or going sailing. Uh, there's also river flows and forests, and, and because it is a very small village and has the human touch that the big city has lost. Uh, uh, there is not a bit bubble. You, you buy everything for 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 every person, mm-hmm. and also the airport is thirty minutes away. So if, if I need to get around, it's easy. Awesome! Sounds like the perfect uh, paradise. Yeah, it is. It is. In fact, uh, um, I can I can tell you that uh, um, privately, we we call it the paradise. Okay. <laughs> nice. All right. So, have you had any mentors in your life or someone who's inspired you the most? Yes, fortunately, several. Uh, absolutely not known, or <laughs> <laughs> not known internationally, but I consider myself very fortunate to receive uh, West talks from two architects in my university. One is uh, was uh, Rafael Baltar, and the other one is Alfredo Alcala. Hmm. Uh, the first one taught us how to understand different relationships among the different pieces of the buildings, the, the, the circulation of the things, as he used to say. Hmm. And uh, another inter- exceptionally interesting thought that he had, uh, and I learned from him, was uh, architects should use a pencil uh, with a writing point available only five minutes every hour, so that you see more than new project. Okay. This is one of his famous phrases. And the other one, Alfredo, Alfredo Cala is still alive. I learned him the love for the detail, uh, that the architecture is made of traits, uh, the ability to go to the scale one to 10 or one to five, and he let us understand how everything works. Uh, in fact, I decided to be architect when I was 10 or, or maybe less. When I saw a small church, maybe in that in that village that I mentioned before, mm-hmm. uh, it was a small church made made by him, projected by him with an extremely reduced budget and a very high quality shapes and an inner, inner space. Really lovely. It's, it's a pity that they haven't got the knowledge what to, to them both. But this is like plenty of, of wise people with a lot of interesting knowledge remaining unknown. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. From Alfredo Alcala, uh, I at least tried, and still trying, to put in value a very small chapel there in, in Pantelome, built with a very reduced funds, uh, which was, uh, that, as I told you, the origin of my love for architecture. All right, Antonio, uh, my last question to you is, what does a daily routine in your life look like? Well, with one word, I'd say illusion. <laughs> <laughs> I try to do something good and better every day. Um, I try to live happily and make happy the ones who live near me. Maybe I work too much, probably. I talk a lot <laughs> and I draw even more. I'm always jotting notes with schemas, arrow circles, and so. Uh, I love to get early, to get up early. Uh, which in Spain is really a big effort. Because, <laughs> uh, yes, because I really go to bed before 12 or 12.30 uh, at night. So, and, and I'm very often, I'm at work before 8 a.m. So, wow. uh, yes, yes. Um, online work is my main activity. Uh, and at least one or two days a week, I visit the job sites of my projects. Uh, and uh, because I think that having my own practice, let me check if what I teach really works or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, in finally, at uh, the afternoon and evenings, I go back to internet. I supervise our BIM implementations in BIM skills. And I also supervise the courses uh, or also uh, finalize the, some projects that have been developed in our practice. And at the very end of the day, I try to find some time to, to share a bit with friends. I walk a bit. And I should go to gym, but you know, what to choose? To <laughs> talk with friends or, or fight with uh, gym machines or, or share some beers. Awesome, oh, awesome. <laughs> That's that is, uh, that's interesting, actually. All right. Thanks, Antonio, for coming to the Arkeon podcast. Uh, you're a very busy person, so but you still took out the time to be on the podcast. Thanks for that. 
Thank you so much, Manish, and uh, really, I repeat, I'm really honored to to be invited by uh, by you, and uh, I wish I uh, we get in touch uh, again very soon because uh, I'm really interested with with the India uh, evolution in in Beam, and I have a lot of contacts in LinkedIn account, uh, so uh, I hope to to be in contact very very frequently with you. Awesome, and my best wishes for your program. You've been listening to the Ak Young Podcast. We're still building the community. Please share this knowledge with someone you know who could benefit. Just send them to akyoung.com where you'll find our free newsletter and for more podcast episodes. Search for the show on any major podcasting platform. Don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now. And if you liked it, leave a rating or review. 